Praise the Lord, everyone. My name is Elisa Spinoza, and welcome to this episode of Reconciliation Bible Studies, a podcast made to help you and I be encouraged and grow in our relationship with God and talk about the things of the Bible. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Reconciliation Bible Studies. I'm glad you're able to make it. I'm glad you're tuning in to this episode, and I'm glad we can be a blessing. I'm hoping we're a blessing to you. And I'm hoping that outside of these Bible studies, we're seeking God for ourselves. We're seeking God in our day-to-day lives and understanding that we have to spend time with Him ourselves. Last time we talked about looking at God in a place of relationship, talking about God in in a place of relationship as opposed to a religious obligation, which looks like Knowing, getting to know God as a friend. The Bible calls him a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And not in a way where my parents brought me up in this, so this is what I think is right. But rather, knowing God for yourself. Because it's the will of God for for you to know God. It's the will of God for you guys to get to know each other personally. And you'll see that you will have a personal relationship with God. It's a beautiful thing to have a personal relationship with God. He, he has the best intentions set out for you. And while that might be the case, some while that might be the case, some might ask, "Well, how do I know what this God's intentions are for me? How do I know he he even has good intentions for me? How do I know that he's right?" And to that, let me pose this question: How can you? trust someone you don't know yet. You, you can't trust someone you don't know. The same way if I'm in a group project and I just meet my group for this course in this semester and one of them wants to take on all the work, I can't trust for one student to take on the work if this is my first time meeting them this semester. I, I can't trust that. Sometimes in that group project analogy, you think that you're the one that should do all the work because you can't trust the rest of your group members. And whether you're guilty of that or not, a relationship is built on trust. A relationship is built on being able to trust the other person. I mean, you don't trust your best friend overnight. They're your, again, they're your best friend for a reason. And God wants to be that best friend that sticks closer to a brother like we previously mentioned, briefly mentioned. So today we're going to be talking about learning to trust in God and His intentions for you. I want to bring our attention to Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm going to read in the New King James, and it says, I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. In the King James, it says, to give you an expected end. It's a beautiful thing for the Lord to want to give us an expected end. Excuse me. An expected end. Because at the end of our lives, the truth is we're going to die. It sounds like a dark thing. It sounds like I'm just a 21-year-old kid who's saying that we're all going to die and none of this matters. No, but the Bible says that it's appointed ones for man to die. There's 
there's a day where, you know, we'll, we'll stop, we'll take our last breath, our heart will take its last pump of blood to the entirety of our body. There's going to be the day where we don't wake up again. And that's just the truth. There's no avoiding that. I mean, the saying goes, there's two things that are sure in this life, death and taxes. And I haven't paid my taxes. I'm just kidding. I don't make enough for that. But anyways, the point is, um, we'll all have our last day. This life isn't forever. However, this, this life we live on earth isn't, isn't it. It's not it. In the timeline of an eternity, we fall into one of two categories when it comes to eternity. And that's either our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we get to spend eternity with God, or our names aren't in that book, and we're sent to an eternal damnation, or we're sent to hell. And again, we read Second Peter 3, 9 last time. The Lord doesn't want you to perish. He, it's not the will of God for you to go to hell. He, he has it in his best interest, interest to spend eternity with you. He wants to spend eternity with you. And we have to learn how to trust in God even in the process of getting to know him from the start. Because these things are processes. A walk with God is a process. Anything's a process. Any relationship is a process. You don't just go into a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend and know their ins and outs the first day or know how they operate the first week. I, I've heard from some married couples that, you know, it's one thing to date someone and it's another thing to live with them. And I'm not married, so praise God. <laughs> but we'll get there if the Lord tarries, but that's a, another story for another day. Um, but the, the point is you have to learn how to trust in God in, in process. A walk with God is a process, and He understands it's a process, so we have grace disposable to us. Not disposable, I would say. The Bible says not to use grace as a, an occasion to the flesh, or in other words, we don't take grace to our advantage, but grace is there for when we're walking with the Lord and maybe we don't know everything yet. And I could talk about grace all, all forever, but we're going to continue on talking about trusting in God because He wants to give you the expected end of spending eternity with Him in heaven. He, it's, the, the last thing He wants is for you to... to be separated from him for eternity. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says, we die and then we have the judgment. So it's our duty now to take the steps in the process of a relationship with God to establish that trust. And some might think, you know, God has, you know, if God really loved me, he would... He would show me. Well, here we see his intention in Jeremiah 29, 11. He has thoughts of peace toward you and not of evil. How many times do we know people close to us who think negatively about themselves or 
shoot themselves in the foot or shortchange themselves when it's not the will of God for you to think that way. Negative thoughts about yourself don't come from God. Biblically, they don't. They come from the devil. God is not the author of confusion, nor will he make you think negatively about yourself because he created you so specifically. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, let me find it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29. No man has ever hated his own flesh. No one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. And the church is the body of Christ. So the, it's not a, a building. The church is the body of Christ. No man has ever hated his own flesh. God didn't, if you want to put it this way, program you for you to think negatively about yourself. Because again, he made you so specific. He made you so specific to live on this time. The year is, well, today is October 30th, 2023. He, he made you so specifically for you to see this year, this time, to see what's happening in the world for you to be wherever you're at. He made you so specifically. The Bible says in Psalms 139 verse 14, I will praise thee, or I will praise you, New King James, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and, my, and that my soul knows very well. You're fearfully you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God spent so much time to make you. To Jeremiah, we read in Jeremiah 29, the same person, the same prophet he was talking to, he said he knew Jeremiah before he was born. And he called him by name. God knew you before you were born. And he knew your name. And he molded you so specifically for you to be here and for you to seek him in relationship. His intentions for you are, are of good and not of evil. He wants, he wants you to trust him. He wants you to get to know him. You might ask, how can I get to know God? And a good place to start is what the Bible calls the Gospels or the Gospel. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 1, verse, verses 16 and 17 in the New King James. And it says, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, referring to the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel of Christ is, reveals the righteousness of God from faith to faith. In, in the Bible, there are four books known as the gospels, written by four different authors. And these can be found in the first four books of the New Testament in our Bible. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These books recount the story 
of Jesus' birth, Jesus' ministry on earth, his, his life growing up as a child, his, his death, his crucifixion, and it leads to his resurrection. And it leads to what we have today, grace and truth. The Bible says in John 1 that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John 1, and let me find the verse. 17, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Again, we, we were talking about grace a little bit earlier and how it's, it's available for us so that we can make mistakes when we're growing in our relationship with God because you don't start off knowing everything. Maybe you, you want to get, get involved with the Bible and in, in church, but you think that, man, I, I don't know enough or I, I, I can't even fathom to, I don't know where to start when it comes to the Bible. And God made a way for us. He, he gave us the account of the Gospels. These are, these are books recounting his lives that he lived. And because he came on this earth, again, last time we talked about how he's so desperate for us that he took on the death of the cross. He was obedient to death, the Bible says. And he, he went so far to die a gruesome death so you and I can have the promise of grace and truth. We're no longer under what the Bible calls the law, but we're under grace and truth. So Jesus sacrificed his own life. What happened was God came down in the flesh. It says in 1 Timothy 3.16 that God was manifest in the flesh. So God came down in the flesh, and the, that verse says he was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. God came down in the flesh so that we don't have to face what the Bible calls the wages of sin, which is death. Think about it like this. There is so much power in the blood of the cross. There is so much power in, in the sacrifice Jesus Christ made of being wounded for our transgressions. It says it's prophesied in Isaiah. There's so much power in that that we don't, we don't have to expect going to hell. Again, he gave us an expected end. His thoughts toward us are to give us an expected end. He, he doesn't want to see you perish. He wants you to receive the grace and truth that He has for you. So a good place to understand the, the righteousness of God or the gospel, or the good place to understand what God did for us is the gospels. Because Romans declares it's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. The Gospels will allow us to know who Jesus is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. These show us the character and nature of God and how God was so humble that He, 
there's one verse in the Bible where it said he, he saw it good to come down in the same manner as you and I. God saw, saw it good for him to be in the, the womb of a woman. And the first person to rejoice at the Messiah coming in the flesh, Jesus Christ, was a baby, was a womb, was John in the womb. Um, but God came down in a woman's womb. He lived through his toddler years, his child years, his teenage years, his adolescence. He was obedient. He learned obedience, it says in the book of Hebrews. Excuse me. He, he was obedient. It's not like he came down as a 30-year-old and the first thing he did was started preaching and what, what people in the world like to call condemning people to hell. I mean, uh, a good verse is John 3.16. A lot of people know this verse. John 3.16 in the New King James, it says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Again, that's that expected end. And let's go verse 17. God did not send His Son in... God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. There's a difference between what the world, I'll say, thinks condemnation is. The world thinks, or our human nature is better said, our human nature thinks that anything contrary to our wants and our desires, and if we're told contrary, that people are condemning us or judging us, this is where we get that Christians are so judgmental. And there are, the, the sad truth is, the, there are some people who may have been a uh, bad representation of what a Christian is. But we have to understand that those people didn't die for us. God sent His Son into the world that we should receive everlasting life when we believe on Him. And He doesn't want to condemn us. In the book of Romans, it says there's no condemnation to those that, who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but walk according to the Spirit. Again, God doesn't want to see you condemning yourself. He, his intention for you is to give you an expected end. He doesn't want you to think negatively about yourself or condemn yourself because, again, that, that comes from your human nature and that comes from the enemy, that comes from the devil. God wants you to, to have peace. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost, I believe it says in Romans 14, Romans 14, 17 it is. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Again, God isn't, isn't here to condemn you or condemn your lifestyle, but rather bring you on a path or correct you to a path where we're now walking in the light. The Bible says, uh, let's continue verse 
3.18, John 3.18. Or, yeah, John 3.18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than their light, rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Most of us live in a way where we know that God would maybe prefer it differently. We live in what the Bible calls sin, and we sometimes, our, our human nature doesn't like to be corrected in knowing that we're sinners. But again, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. There's, there's no person, again, John, 1 John 1, it says that if you say you don't have sin, the truth isn't in you. So we must humble ourselves in the same way that Jesus Christ humbled itself, humbled himself, and came down as a baby, grew up into adulthood, and really didn't, didn't preach or teach for the majority of his life. But he was in the perfect will of God. There was no condemnation to him because he was walking according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. When Jesus corrects us or when the Bible corrects us, we must understand that it's not a condemnation thing. The Bible wants to encourage you to move from our nature and character of sin to a nature and character of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he, he predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his Son. So in your walk with God, God wants to transform how, how we think toward ourselves. Roman, the book of Romans, where, good Lord, great book. And we're going to read chapter 12, <laughs> verses 1 and 2. In the New King James, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, we have to understand that the only person who can transform our minds, be, that can renew our minds, be transformed by the renewing of your minds, the Bible says, is God. We can't do it by our means because then we would be walking according to the flesh. But when we walk according to the Spirit, God begins to transform your mind, renew your mind in a way where you're no longer feeling condemnation. But the Bible declares that you are feeling a peace that passes understanding. That's where Romans 14, the, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. If you don't have peace in your life, let me tell you, God wants to give you peace. 
If you don't have peace in where you're at right now, let me tell you, find yourself in a relationship with God because He wants to give you that peace. That's the difference between people who seek after their own kingdom instead of the kingdom of God. I mean, let's look at any, any person who, who's rich. The, the suicide rate among rich people is substantially higher than those in the lower or middle class even. The suicide rate for rich people is, is higher since they almost reach a, a roof, a, a capacity almost, where they have everything they want or they thought they have everything they thought they wanted, but now they have nothing to search for. And because of that, they, they figure, oh, well, life is meaningless. No, God wants to give you an expected end. God wants to give you purpose in your life. Otherwise, His time making you fearfully and wonderfully made is in vain. But biblically, He has made you with purpose. He has made you with, with a calling. And that's a calling to be a son. That's a calling to be, spend eternity with Him. It's the calling of the expected end. I know the thoughts I have toward you. Thoughts of good and, and not of evil. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. They're, oh my word. God is so good. I know the thoughts I think toward you. Thoughts of peace. I, I didn't. It's not scripted this way, I promise. But he has thoughts of peace toward you. When, when we're being conformed to the image of his son, we're now conformed to those thoughts of peace toward us. And that's where we get it. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Are we going to allow our condemnation, our death sentence start now? What was the condemnation in John three sixteen and 17 that this is the condemnation? It's if you don't believe that you hate the light because your deeds are evil. You're not too far from God. You are not too far from God. God wants, if, if you think you're far from God, if, you're th if you think that that God can't change my life because He, because of what I've done in my past, because of my qualification. I, I, I'm not the smartest person. Where do I begin? I'm not the most holy person or the most pious person. How can, how can God change my life? I have, done, I have done mistake after mistake in my life. How can God change my life? He didn't come to condemn you. He came so that you can believe on the name of Jesus. He came to usher you into peace, to guide you, to be that helping hand, to be in relationship with you. God is saying right now, I, I, want, I want those thoughts of peace in your thoughts in your mind. I want to renew your mind with the thoughts of peace I have toward you. God is saying to us, 
I wish you can see yourself the way I see you because I willed for you to have an expected end. I'm here to tell you right now in the Holy Ghost, your story's not over. I'm here to tell you, in God, you don't have a past. You only have a future. The future of righteousness, joy, and peace. The future of grace and truth, John 1.17. Will we, will we take what the Lord has to say and just brush it over our shoulder and just say, hey, this religion stuff isn't for me. Or are we going to conform to the image of Jesus Christ, which is an image of humility, an image of coming to the end of ourself? God came to the end of himself and, and made himself a, a, a newborn baby. He didn't have to. He chose to so that he can be that sacrificial lamb. The Bible says, humble yourselves. This is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care on him because he cares for you. In the Gospels, that, those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Excuse me. He wants you to carry that light burden. He doesn't want you to carry the heavy burden that life gives us. Life isn't fair. If li life isn't fair, some of us, we have to deal with the cards we're dealt with. But you have a future in Jesus Christ. You have an expected end in Jesus Christ. Trust Him because He wants to give you that expected end. Trust Jesus because He doesn't want you to perish. He's giving us an opportunity right now to seek His face because He doesn't want us to perish, but He wants us to come to repentance. Repentance, remember, repentance is a reversal. Our nature of sin, when we repent, it's saying, God, renew my mind. Reverse my mind from this nature of sin so I can take on your mind of the thoughts you have toward me. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. In the in some some practical advice. Take a moment this week and read read a gospel. Read a book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read one of the books. Just start. You don't have to finish it in, in a, a week, but start reading one of these books. I love the Gospel of John. All the Gospels are awesome. I love all the Gospels, praise God. It is the power of God to salvation. 
John is a great gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke are great gospels. Read, begin to read a gospel. You don't, you don't have to start. Your relationship with God doesn't have to start with Genesis. And you, you might not agree with, oh, God created the heaven and the earth. You can't trust someone you don't know. In order for us to know God, we have to know what Jesus did for us. The gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation. I encourage you this week, begin a gospel. Begin one of those four books because you see how Jesus actually sees you. You see how he treats the sinner and his love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you.